remix the dead. I'm remix the dead. I cover music and life, learn day and night, and I grow over my family so they can thrive. Welcome to the remix the dead podcast. Hey guys, I just wanted to share this awesome. Uh, speech from my buddy Tuan from a uh, conference I went to in 2018. Um, he uh, shares some wisdom bombs. Uh, he shares a bunch of great laughs um, and a lot of life hacks. So definitely check it out. Um, listener discretion is advised. There is some explicit language in there. So if you are listening to this with kids around, please shut it off now and go listen to another episode. But and um, I did get Tuan's permission to post this because there's a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of inspiration and encouragement in this. So definitely check it out. Let me know what you think. Let Tuan know what you think. You can go to Biz Dads or Dude Buddha um, and show him some love. Thanks for the message. Oh my goodness, what an honor. Uh, just went out to get some water for the evening. Uh, but where is this speech of mine? Is it in the Dad Edge uh, Alliance um, membership site or something? Uh, that's kind of cool that it's it's floating around. But please do share if it's going to help someone. What an honor to be on the WeMix study. Oh yeah. guys that that I, I saw there because I, I saw Tuan he just had this smile that was just contagious he was like the happiest dude here I was like why does the guy in such a good mood and I'm like look at him like and I think you even had your hug it out shirt on and yes you, I did yeah, his hug it out shirt on and and not only that but he had his selfie stick with him he was taking selfies of, of every, and he was doing videos and I was like what? <laughs> this guy man he's so happy like I want some whatever he's drinking like so but um, I remember Roman coming up to me the first night that we were there, uh, because the first night we were there, we went to this kind of uh, historic sort of pub, and we had the upstairs, and we went through a couple exercises, and I remember Tuan was one of the guys who got up and spoke for, for just a few minutes to share. And Roman, John Roman, came up to me uh, later that night, and he's like, hey, I just want to share something with you. Out of the seven guys who were talking tonight, one of them is like a freaking sick, just baller. Now, he's like, I bet you can't guess which one. 
I went through all of them, and then Tuan was the last, and he's like, it's Tuan. I was like, really? He's like, he's like, get this. He's like, I'll share this with you. I'm not gonna give you any details because I can only tell you so much. What he has done from a generosity standpoint, he's like, he had a company that he developed and that he sold for millions. And I'm not talking about little millions, I'm talking about big millions. And after he sold it, he wrote a check to charity of everything that he sold that company for. And I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. Now, so we've gotten to know each other over the past couple of years. And as much as that shocks, like all of us, as, if you get to know Twine, you're like, well, I, I, can, I can see why he would do that just because of the person that he is. So I, I wanted to start out with that, which is why it, I mean, success obviously is something that you've worked very, very hard for, but why is generosity so important to you? Um, I think I'll keep it really simple. I, gener generosity is important because I've been a recipient of it. And coming from uh, Vietnam in 75, as uh, both people, and uh, relying on the community to integrate us, uh, it's unbelievable to look back and see what communities have done for me. And uh, of course, my mother uh, and my father constantly remind us how awesome it is. Uh, an example is I give my school bus driver, my kid's bus driver, a gift once a, once a week. Every Wednesday, I give him a, a gift certificate of something, 20 bucks, or for coffee, for lunch. And he finally asked me after like a year and a half, like to this year, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, why are you always giving me stuff, you know? I'm like, I appreciate you, because I'll tell you a story my dad told me once, way, way back then. So I'm from Canada, where it's like sick amount of snow and cold. And uh, being Southern Asian, we're not prepared for that shit, right? <laughs> so, uh, so one day he's trying to carry us to, uh, to school, and it was a blizzard. And the bus driver stopped by and picked us up. He was done his route. And uh, sorry, I'm emotional. Was, uh, just seeing my dad, he's just so awesome because he tells me these awesome stories. So uh, I've been grateful to bus drivers ever since. <laughs> you know? And I told him that story and I said, uh, You take care of my son every day, you get him safely to school, and he comes back alive, and you are a big, big part of that. So don't forget that. So that's an example of continuing reminding myself what my parents have taught us is you'd be surprised who's serving you in the most profound manner, like a bus driver, right? And so I take this from one of my favorite TEDx talks. It's called Lollipop Leadership. And uh, it's how this one girl just threw a lollipop made a huge difference in someone's life without realizing it until 20 years later. There's that moment where you gave me a lollipop, but why you gave me the lollipop? And so leadership doesn't have this grandioso thing that you're changing the world. It happens in a sudden moment, the simplest moment too. So I continue to remind myself that the more I give, the more it becomes second nature, the way you think about it, the way you see things. So there you go. And I know today, I think you're going to be talking about defining gifts, right? Uh, yeah, I'll include that. I'll yeah. include that. <laughs> but that was one that was most voted on. So I was wondering if you could spend just a little bit of time on what does that mean to define our gifts and how do we do that? Uh, so I do have a, a framework to that. Uh, so I, could, I might as well go through it now, though I don't have to say it later on. Throughout the speech, I'm going to have little step-by-step -step action items because I want you guys to jump, just not leave knowing or having a realization I want you to put the action on a few things. So 
if you want to take some a piece of paper right now, just once I get right into the gifts, drop me a beat, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, for me, a, a gift is uh, your gifts is is recognizing that uh, you have the ability to create value and solve really important things that matter to you. That's it. We had a discussion over lunch, and uh, you know, I don't talk to my kids about what you want to do for a living. I don't talk about profession or job that's defined. I just always have a conversation about what matters to them, and then one day they're gonna feel gifted to address that problem. Whether it be a lawyer, like I applied to med school, I got in and I was gonna solve health crisis around the world, but I did it another way. I gave millions instead, because my gift, it may seem like, holy cow, amazing to some of you guys that I can make like a lot of money, but that's one of my superpowers. But I'll tell you what, a superpower I definitely don't have is to be able to maintain a relationship and get deeply connected, right? That's a superpower I don't have. And uh, I get people close enough to me, but I always somehow put up walls. And since I've joined the Alliance, it's been a game changer for me, right? So, so for me, that's what a gift is, and everyone here has that gift. And so if I could share, if I could continue before spelling the G-I-F-T-L stands for something very particular, but I share one of my philosophies and one of the philosophies is the acorn philosophy, which is we're all an acorn, and in an acorn, it has the ability to become an oak tree. For those of you who listen to my podcast, you'll see that Derek Rydell also comes from this same philosophy. And the, the acorn, like you, has everything you need to be, to have to become the acorn. The only difference is, well not the only difference, all the acorn needs is the environment to sprout into the oak tree. So I don't like the word personal development. I don't like the word personal improvement. There's nothing to improve. There's nothing to develop. There's nothing to be more of. There's nothing to be less of. None of that crap. What we've done is we've prevented ourselves from experiencing all of who we are. We've stopped ourselves from sprouting the perfectness that's already inside of us. So how do you apply this, like action? I'm always about action, which is, you as an acorn need to surround yourself with the right environment to sprout into your, your oak tree. And what's that? Straight up, right right now, what do I eat? Who do I surround myself with? How do I build the way I think, right? These are part of your actual environment that helps you grow. If you're in a situation where you're disempowered, you're preventing yourself from becoming an oak tree. And so, Always remember that you are an acorn. You've got everything you need to be. The only thing you need to really decide on is your environment. Think about that, right? Any factor that you feel affects your environment and decide if the things in those areas are empowering you or disempowering you and get rid of the things that are disempowering and spend more time with things that are more empowering. And you'll see yourself get to a place where you thought you'd never be able to, to become. And it's because you'll attract people who are in a similar space, and it's that community that's gonna to raise together each other up. So now let's go to your gifts. Can I stand up? Is that okay? Yeah. Actually, I actually yeah. need you to take four. Oh, okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> so uh, I also wanna share how do you make a great speech, because some guys don't know how you know, you're afraid of speaking, but after this weekend, I've learned the magic formula to creating great speech. First, add fuck to everything you say. <laughs> so here's an example. The optimist proclaims that we live in the best of all possible worlds and the pessimist fears of this truth. The fucking optimist proclaims that we live in the fucking best of all the possible worlds. So the fucking pessimist fears this truth. And everyone laughs. 
somehow that's the other one. And then if you add something else, which is an accent, you know, what we choose to study is faithful. And what we fucking choose to study becomes faithful. <laughs> somehow like that kind of becomes like, that's, the, that's the, the, the secret to becoming a really effective speaker. I say that just as a joke, but of course I honor, because I swear like crazy on stage, so. And sometimes I use an accent too, just to pull the cop out of people. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you define your gifts? Because uh, there's two sides. It's first, define the problems that you care about. So for those of you who've heard the problems that some of my uh, podcast interviews is have a gratitude and problem journal. Ever talk about gratitude? So myself and my kids, every night we have a journal where we write one statement, what are we grateful for? And then a problem I would like to solve is this. It could be anything. And I'll give you two examples of my daughters writing something which I love. My older daughter, we have like a cute little home, but we have a massive backyard, and she does the lawn mowing. And she gets home, she gets inside when she's done, she goes, I know I'm gonna write tonight in terms of my prompt statement. There's gotta be a better way to mow the lawn, right? And I'm like, hey, you solved that problem, and I think you're gonna make a lot of money, right? And so, so that's an example of us like, talking about any problem. She even one day said, I wish I could solve my friend's heartbreak. I'm like, if you care enough about that, if you feel that you're meant to solve that problem, then that's, that's where the magic happens for you. That's where you're gonna feel alive, right? And so, so that's one side, and I'm gonna brush this quickly because I want to have the Q&A because I find that's like super engaging fun part. So like I'm gonna rip through this and whatever you want me to expand on, we could do it at the Q&A. Now how do you find your gifts? So G-I-F-T, you can write it down now. And I believe gifts are defined in four areas in your life, at least that's how I break it down. And first G stands for given by your loved one. So my mom, my dad, and I would say, which I love what Gary mentioned up to earlier, like since when you're a kid, so up to like grade six, when you're 12 years old-ish, is like, that's like a lot of things. So one of my greatest gifts for my loved one is my grade six teacher, Mr. Gardner. In fact, 22 years later, I saw him at a, at a volleyball tournament for elementary kids that took place in the gym that I always go to, and I, I couldn't believe that was him. Like he's all great and everything, but I went to him and said, you changed my life. And he broke down in tears. And I think that's what every, like that moment that any teacher would love is to have a student come back and say, you made the biggest impact in my life. And so Mr. Gardner taught me the ability to simplify things to help people learn, simple. And he kept it so simple for me, and, uh, and I am so grateful for that, and I try to keep it simple for people. Which is why when I talk, I try to break it down nice and simple. So G, gifts given from your loved ones. I, which is innate in your soul. There's things that are innate in us that through the dialogue that we have, and we fuck ourselves up, is we deny our own gifts. We deny what's inside of our, our heart. And it's because some people around us, they care about us, and they, they feel that maybe that gift of yours might not allow you to be comfortable in life. Like your, your natural gift to music. I always love music. I feel, I touch a piano, I never take lessons, I can't play it. But people told me when I play music, when I get to, it's a natural gift. But my parents were afraid that if I, get, I love it so much, I'll become a musician. So I deny myself something. And, but the essence from, from music was I love to express through, I love to express through performance, through creative performance. Some people like to write, I like to perform. Right, and so that's, that's innate. F is one of my favorite, which is from failures that I achieved, achieved, there's a key word here. And how do you figure out failures that you've achieved? 
I came up with this kind of a system. Again, I'm, I'm a science kind of based guy, so I always try to formulate and, and, and create formulas. Oh, by the way, if I say something that doesn't make sense, please let me know, because I'm French speaking, so I'm, trans I'm Vietnamese speaking, then French, and then English, so I'm like translating as I go. I mean, if you want, I can do that too, eh? no problem, huh? that's a uh, French-Canadian. Well, uh, but of course, if you want the France, uh, I can also do that too, so I, uh, I can do it all. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but how do I figure out, how do you figure out failures? If you could take a fresh sheet and you draw three columns. One column is role, which is the role that you were at at that time. Your son, you were a son, you were a mother, you were a brother, you were a student in grade two, student in grade three, you were an employee at this job, you were a manager at that job, whatever, that's a role. And then the middle column is the mistake or the failure that you, you, you made that time. And then the last column is the lesson or the decision you've made because of that failure. We've all seen some kind of form of this before, but what is the powerful thing about this, I call this the resume failures, and what's powerful is one, one day, or in the morning if you want, or at night, it doesn't matter. You can look at this, just look at what you've written. Mine has like probably close to 260, maybe I'm at 300 now, like failures. That's my resume failure. I could probably share a Google Doc with you guys, you can see it. I fill up once every two or three weeks these days. It used to be once a week, but every two or three weeks I reflect, like where did I fuck up this week and what are some decisions from as a father, as a business person, all that shit, right? And what happens is when you remove the middle column, so action two is remove the middle column and study that shit. Study what your role is and the decision you've made. Suddenly you've axed out the failure and your main focus is on the decisions you've made. And the last T is gifts that you've taught or trained out of self-interest or education. These are all part of your gifts. You can't deny time you spent. Like, I'm an accountant and an engineer by trade, and I hated science, but now I realize I've accepted the beautiful training I received in science and in business, and I use that as what I do to solve problems I care about in this world. And to me, when you find those two and you marry those two, it leads you closer, at least, to something purposeful. Because I don't have an answer to how to find the purpose. But I have a process, hopefully, that it's gonna be a process you can apply for the rest of your life to, to get you to say, I think I'm in the right direction. And that's the, that's the best you can do to show your kids, in my opinion. So taught or trained out of self-interest or education. So now allow me to give a bit of a of my philosophy, and I'm gonna weave in and out of my story because I just realized, and thanks to Jason for saying, it's okay to repeat my story. Because I'm always afraid of saying something people would say, I just have to watch three of those podcast interviews, I got, I got around this already, right? But I'll make the long story short, because again, I wanna focus on a Q&A, so now you know a bit of my story, and perhaps something to help you guys and support you guys in your journey. But born in Vietnam, I left in 1975, I was only 20 days old, and I want you guys imagining holding your baby, your firstborn, for the first time ever at 20 days old. Do you guys remember that? Remember how tiny the baby was? That's my mother on a boat, going. Now imagine 10 days in the water holding your little one, and now your little one is not moving anymore. In fact, you don't know if your little one's breathing anymore. So 
So my mom concluded that she was carrying a dead baby. I was dead. But the grace of God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, the U.S. carry came to pick us up and shocked me back to life. Took me to Hawaii, shocked me back to life when I flatlined again. So I'm 43 now, a little bit, and I feel I've had 43 years of bonus living. Rock on. It's why I don't give a shit about a lot of things. I send love and light to everyone around me, but I can't give too much shit about too many things because I'm so lucky to be alive. I better make the best out of it, including the mistakes I made, including celebrating the failures I made. I don't have time to stop, and I've stopped a few times, and these days, I've fallen, but I'm, I'm getting up a lot faster, right? And so, story goes on, I, my father was very ill coming to Canada. He died, uh, you know, just over a decade ago, and uh, my mom was raising her whole family by herself because he was sick his whole life, and I was dedicated to becoming a doctor because medicine was saving my dad and my life, and I had a, I have a cardiologist, and I pursued med school, but while I'm pursuing med school, I'm doing all this crazy volunteer work that's part of getting to med school, and I get addicted to volunteerism. Who does volunteer work here? So uh, clap if you think it's pretty rewarding. Yes, thank you. And I fell addicted to it, and I started doing more and more at the 11th hour when I was accepted to med school. There's two things that made me realize that it wasn't my calling. One, I didn't believe in pharmacology because a lot of other things saved my life, like natural therapies, you know, healthy eating, all that kind of stuff, and acupuncture, which 20 years ago, doctors didn't believe in that. Now MDs are doing acupuncture, which is like mind-blowing for me because they riddled that shit back in the day, right? And then uh, I decided to do chemical engineering because I thought, hey, I'm gonna be a multimillionaire. I love bringing money to the hospital. And then I just pursued a life of entrepreneurship led me to building four online directories, sold the system, sold the software, made a ton of money, donated. I have a lot of billionaire friends, all this stuff. Means nothing to me, guys, just what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is what happened in my life. It's just what happened, which is one of the most brilliant things, I think, points that Gary mentioned today is, it just happened. Like, that's just happened. Oh my goodness, what drop? That's your interpretation of what happened, right? So, it just happened. So everything I say, I see as just happened. And so where what led me to today is that after selling my business and donating my money, and I did get addicted to this like fame I got, and then I finally realized it was kind of bullshit. And so I got out of the limelight, and I decided to get married because I always wanted a family that failed, I got depressed. And then a buddy of mine says, yo, why are you trying to figure yourself out? Why don't you help me market? He's a dentist. Now I do, what I do full time is that I work with dentists. It's fun. It challenges me, it makes great money, I work 20 hours a week, I figured it out, which again, we could talk about this later on if you want. And then uh, while I'm doing this, I'm sharing my journey on Facebook and social media, and suddenly I'm getting a few thousand followers. I'm like, really? I had no idea. And that's when I learned that men, a lot of men are suffering. A lot of men are having a hard time dealing with stuff. A lot of men feel fucked up and need to unfuck themselves. And I was just trying to figure out how to fuck myself and I'm sharing my journey on Facebook. And now I have just over 15,000 followers. And I don't know what to do with it because I'm not trying to build a business around this. But all I, need, all I know I want to do is just continue this journey because I think I'm doing a, a, the best job I can do to be what I want to be for my kids. Right, so that's the whole story in a nutshell. Right, and so I'm here, I'm blessed because I struggle with with relationships, and like I said, since I've been here, it's been awesome. A girl I was gonna dump, and now we're in an amazing, amazing, strong relationship. It's thanks to you guys. I'm not kidding. I read. I don't participate as much, 
Um, but when I read what you guys are going through and how you're supporting each other, I'm blown away and it's giving me the strength and even the knowledge and clarity to move forward. Right, so today and yesterday, we've had a lot of amazing speakers and we've come to some realizations within our share. Realizations, it's from our past, it's from this, it's from this, it's from this. But action is what's gonna create results. And I'm all about action, even if it's a little bit and falling down. I remember giving a speech like way early in my early days when they're like, how'd you do it? How did you make all the money? Like, dude, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but this is the difference between you and me and you. I'm gonna plan a great strategy. So, la 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 la. Well, I'm like this. Oh, that wasn't right. So, maybe this was like, oh, that wasn't right. I stumbled my way to success. And when I was done stumbling, I looked up, I'm like, I'm across the street. I'm like, smell you later, buddy, I'm out of here. Right? And while he's just there, like, trying to figure it out. So for those of you who are stuck, it just takes one step. And the step is, you're taking the step. Yes. Don't put a definition around whether it's a failure or not. Right? So that's, like, the, a very key point. And, I, and to me, that's my favorite takeaway today, is life just happens. And it was a message I was going to share, because people have asked me, how do you manage all these stuff with kids and this and this and this and my watch is out of battery I forgot to charge it up but I have uh, uh, the matrix you know the data coming down the zeros and ones on my phone because it reminds me that I'm Neo when I look at my kids freaking out when I look at myself freaking out I take a step back I look at my watch and I imagine just everything as data and just information and things are just happening and I have the power to create right the other thing I did, again, just through this journey in terms of like, because this is a bit about balance and, and how do you have success. This is part of, a major part of my success is getting myself after the, out of the victim, villain, and hero mode. Right, that's part of it. Because when I became a hero in my business, and some people buy Porsches, my friends buy Porsches and all these Lambos and all these cars. My Porsche was this, hi Mr. Charity, I hear you're suffering and you're falling apart. <laughs> Here's a check for a quarter million dollars. I just saved your ass. See you later. And that was like what I, what I was actually doing. I didn't realize it. At least I'm not killing anyone, which is great. But it still created this fictitious, inauthentic person out of me. So I try to remove the best by surrounding myself with people to remind me, Twan, you're playing that hero mode again. I'm like, uh, okay, all right, let's not do that. And an example is we had a conversation with Ed earlier. And we talked about going to the past and saying something to like an ex-wife. I went to my ex-wife and said, listen, I'm sorry, total douchebag, didn't mean to do that. And some people would interpret that, so that's what's what happened. But some people interpret as going back to, to create liberation and freedom and, and so we move forward. And so my friend says, dude, man, that's amazing. You went back and you did this, you did this, you did this. But I didn't go back to fix a past. I didn't go back to free her into the world so she can move on. Then I'd be a hero to her. I'm not trying to be her hero, because that's bullshit. Honestly, she wants to be happy, she's gotta figure it out. Not my place. But it's my place to create what I wanna create moving forward. So this present moment, when I apologize to my ex-wife, was not going back to the past. It's me saying, this is who Tuan is from this point forward. This is a decision I'm making today, not based on the past, not based on any future or past. This very moment, Right now, as Gary said, this very moment, I'm making this decision. That's it. Because it's who I am 
now. I choose to be this person. Does that make sense? Cool. So I want to share um, kind of 10 things. Any questions so far? And I also like to stop in case there's any questions. We're cool? Good. So uh, I'm going to share just 10 things. I'm going to end up the, after these 10 things. It's 10 things that I believe that fatherhood, you focus on being the best dad you can be. When you, can, when you become aware of what you do to become an awesome dad, you take that, you pour it into your professional life, into your relationship with your, your wife, your spouse, your partner, your girlfriend, whatever, right? It's gonna create success in those areas too. And so this is 10 things I've learned as a father that has made me become a business person. And the reason I'm very obsessed with this is I'm obsessed as an entrepreneur, because I can only speak, I've only had my own business, so I've never really had a job. But I can speak that as an entrepreneur, you push yourself to the limits. You test every part of you to survive and make things happen. And when you do that, you look at your kid, you can't help but to know they're capable of that too. You can't help it. And so you want to give them those tools so they can take, run with it, and become everything they want to be. So I'm obsessed with teaching my kids the entrepreneurship mind. I don't need them to start their own business. But what I want them to do is whatever you dream of, creating a nonprofit, a, a project within a job even, or your own business, you have the tools from a mindset perspective and from a physical know what to do to make that happen. Right? That's what's important to me. That's what I'm obsessed with, is figuring that out. Breaking it down in simple ways to teach the kids. So these are 10 things that if any kid was to ask me, what did you learn as a business person to become a better entrepreneur? Or what did you learn to be, as a dad to become a better business person? This is it. First, your natural voice becomes their internal voice. You've heard this before. And uh, it's the same thing with employees, same thing with yourself. But when you're aware of that, you bring awareness to this, you speak to your children with compassion, I guarantee you, with consistency, they will have an internal voice of compassion, right? Two, if you want to give your kids strength, you need to learn how to have it yourself. This is on the same lines. If you want your kids or your staff to succeed, or yourself, you need to believe in them genuinely. How many times have we been guilty of not believing in our kids? I have. I have. Anyone been there? I know I have. You said that one again. If you want your kids to succeed, oh, oh, that was and, the and same believe one themselves, yeah, same thing. Okay. You also you you need to believe in them. And once again, if you need to believe in them, what do you have to do? Learn how to believe in yourself. It always comes back to you. It's very uh, obvious and cliche, but it's true. Third, accept when they notice things. You know when kids say, Dad, you swore. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Or, Dad, I saw you do that. Or you notice your kids noticing you and you feel guilty. Who's been there? Right? Staff does the same thing, too. Staff calls you on this shit, too. And you need to be able to be aware and accept when they notice you and welcome it. Welcome, what is it that my kids are noticing? Because they are a mirror 
for us, for us to look at our own shit. Help yourself so you can help them. So the funny thing is, we talk about autopilot. Everyone got that? We all understood what autopilot? When I heard that, I think of things like habit. Habit is the lowest form of things that we like to get things done. We're pissed off, we're stressed, easiest thing to do is whatever that is, the autopilot, it's that habit, right? And why is it so hard to switch a habit? Gary gave half of it, here's the other half. Neurologically, you always have negative thoughts. You always do a certain thing. You fire neuro, neuro whatever it's in English, like whatever, neuro, neurons, whatever, uh, those neural pathways, it, it keeps the habit. It's like a highway, the more you think about it, the more lanes the highway gets, and then your brain says, this is the wider lane. I'm going to go. I'm totally going to go down negative highway of negativity, right? So you need to build the neural pathways for positivity. So because of that, you help yourself by understanding that this is a process. You never give up. You always continue the process because understanding that neurologically, it also takes time to build and close down negativity highway. In fact, there's always going to be one lane negativity because that's what life is. And it, it, it's there so you can learn how to deal with it. You can't remove it. You shouldn't, because then once it happens, you'd be like, I don't know what the fuck to do. You're supposed to have that, so you know what to do with it. Learn to say I'm sorry. Sorry to your kids, sorry to your wife, sorry to yourself, and sorry to your, your staff and your colleagues. I've said sorry to my son so many times, and I feel the difference when I'm able to apologize to my son. He says, it's okay, Daddy. It's so amazing to hear him say that. Cute little voice. Be present and grateful. Smells like bourbon. I wish. So, who sit here says, I'd like to be more present to my kids? We just had a discussion over here. You're actually always present. You're never not present. Exactly what Gary said. You're always now. You're just present to the, the things you don't want to be present to. I'm present to these thoughts that's in the future. I'm present to these thoughts about the past. I'm present to these thoughts that tell me I'm fucking useless. You just need to change and redirect your presence. That's really the process that we're trying to do. It's not a lack of presence. It's where the presence are being directed. Right. So very, very subtle difference. Worrying leads to nothing. Worrying leads to nothing. It's okay, and eight is, it's okay not to know the answer. This is the, uh, the ego part. And I've said so many times to my daughter, because she's older now, she asks these questions like, I don't know, maybe Google. Uh, it's, it's okay to say that. And sometimes I do go and figure it out, but at least I tell her I don't know and I'll figure it out. Intimidation never works in the long run. Dot, 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 in the long run. In my work right now, because you're scared shit, but in the future, your kids, your employees, people who you care about, retaliation will happen, and it might, be, it might not be against you, it might be crime in the world. It might be high school shootings. It might be any of that stuff. So to me, intimidation never works. And last but not least, Never discount people's feelings. Never.
I have a ton I could say, but I'd rather just stop and just chill out. I want to thank you for taking the time to be awake after a beautiful, heavy, freaking lunch that you guys had to eat right after my, before my speech. And I love you all very much. Thank you. Yes, sir. So in terms of entrepreneurship, okay. um, in terms of entrepreneurship, I mean, just boldly, how the fuck do you figure out what you're gonna do, you know? I mean, I, I feel like I'm driven. I feel like I have the opportunity. I feel like it's what I wanna do. I just can't figure out what I wanna do. Are you an entrepreneur right now or you're in a job? No, I'm, I'm, I was self-employed within okay. the oil and gas industry. Okay. Um, but then when that all went to shit, I became an employee. Okay. So I have two ways to offer advice in this area. So for those who don't have a job or don't have a business, existing business, I always say start small. Start something very simple, even seasonal. Okay, so one of my ex-girlfriends, I've had a lot of ex-girlfriends, I'm lucky to be friends with all of them, but one of my ex-girlfriends, man, she was awesome. Uh, but again, I didn't know how to hang on to it, right? But uh, digression. Uh, she decided to, so she has a job right now in the government, but she has a job, a business that makes about three million a year. And she's still working in her government job because she actually loves her job. And how did she get there? It was a four year journey, almost five. And she has kids, right? So this is while having kids. She first started with something she can involve her kids. So she did a gift basket only over the Christmas holidays. And what she did was she uh, she's really into like gluten-free and sugar-free and all that kind of stuff. So she targeted senior citizens and yoga studios and she's like, I gift baskets that are like health conscious, organic, fair trade, all that stuff. And she just did it for the winter and she started in November and then she ended, like I said, right at Christmas and her kids got together and they did all the wrapping stuff, it was a lot of fun. And uh, she made like three or four grand extra that winter. Then the summer rolled around and she continued that, but she added something new, which was she's really into like jewelry, rings and earrings. And so she started importing from like China, Bali, Mexico, I forgot where the other countries were, maybe India, like different cool jewelry. And she would go to like sidewalk sales that are community based, like in Ottawa, there's an entire community that gets together, shuts down and has a sidewalk sale kind of thing. So there's like three, four of that. And she knew in the summer she would have three, four opportunities to sell jewelry. And she did that. She made probably close to five, she said she almost doubled, so five and a half thousand dollars from her Christmas earnings. And she's like, I love this, and um, I want to understand how this is made. And this is where her multi-million dollar business came in. She started calling India, Bali, and looked at the entire slab of stone. Onto her fourth year, third into her fourth year, she said, I'm going to figure out how to bring all of this over here and sell the slabs myself and even make my own jewelry. But she knew she could afford to get her jewelry, like machine and all that, so she figured out, because now she's in the industry, because you, you only know once you get into it, right? And then you pivot however you want to pivot. But then she got in and she realized there's a large amount of people who actually really have their tools and they're paying too much for the stones. So then she, be, she, she like Costco style, buys it, and then and then at this point, she's got these girlfriends that have worked with her because, you know, selling jewelry and all this. And she almost created like an MLM out of it, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, with an MLM though, but it's like kind of style where you sell, you sell, you sell kind of thing. And um, by the way, every corporation is an MLM in its way. But, um, but uh, you know, she, she decides to, to do a sales 
team of, of, of her girls and they went out and they made something like $160,000 within the first three months. Because right? it, it's pre-orders, right? They order, 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 Montreal, whatever, all the stuff, she has friends in Toronto. And now fast forward, geez, like almost 10 years later, right, 10 years later, it's still a business that runs. It's about a $3 million business from what I know, but it was like baby steps. And I could give you 20 stories right now even of people who did that exact strategy, which just starts something small, something simple. Even if you lose money, the important thing is dealing with suppliers, doing some marketing, managing your costs. It's just, it's rewiring the brain to think differently and then saying, how do I sell this to someone? I better be solving a problem that people are willing to pay for. If I FaceTime my kids right now, you ask them, hey, uh, daughter number one, how do you make money? She'll say, by solving a problem people want to pay for. And then it's like, well, then how do you know what to do to make money? By solving a problem that I care about, that I feel I'm gifted to solve, that people are willing to pay for. That's what she'll answer. That's all I teach my kids. I remind them that all the time. And then our exercise that we do throughout the whole week always feeds those statements. But if you have a business, that's a whole different story. If you already have a business, like I had a business that was doing pretty well, but my daughter had a significant concussion, PTSD, like I said, like suicidal, and I had to be home with her. So I called a meeting with six of my entrepreneur friends. I'm like, guys, I sacked the shit out of my business. I gotta figure out how to make the same money or just a bit less by working less. So I don't mind instead of working 30 hours a week, I'll make 20 hours, I'll go 20 hours a week, and I'll, I'm okay making 80%, right, of what I used to make. And because they grilled me and they looked at my business from the outside, because I was so into it, they figured out for me my pivot. And that pivot led to likely a seven-figure business this year at 20 hours a week, right? I don't even need to make that money, but I want to so I could, I could gift it back to the communities and causes I care about. It's the only reason why I want to make money. I make enough right now to feed my family, give them a bit of savings, but I'm not going to spoil my kids. They're going to have to figure it out themselves, right? But you know, the more I make, the more I can gift. That's my purpose. Thank you for that question. Any other questions? Of course, Mr. Starch. <laughs> Welcome, by the way. Big hand for Andy. You made it. Hey, Andy. 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 Can you do me a favor? Can you just keep holding the microphone <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like this? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Chuan. Hello there, Andy. How are you? Andy Storch from Orlando, Florida. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hello. <laughs> I can't wait to hug it out with you later. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> Love what you have to say. And I, um, you know, not everybody in here is an entrepreneur. I know we have some people that are aspiring. And we hear a lot, especially in the entrepreneurial business world, about the importance of embracing failures, which we hear about all the time, but it's a lot easier said than done, right? For those of you who, like me, fear failure, right, greatly, and I've been working to get over that. I've never heard anyone say they actually have this list. Um, for lack of a better word, I'm thinking Dan Zinner would call this an after-action review, right, of your failures. So I think that's really cool. How often do you do that? You said weekly. And do you, every two or three weeks. Every two or three weeks. And yeah. do you look at everything? Do you think just about business? Do you look at like, every conversations you've had with your kids? Do you yep. think about all the little things? And I'm curious, what's something that's, <laughs> that's come out of that? Like what, what's something that's come, uh, an example of something that? Well, uh, as most of you know, I, I removed social media from my phone as of January 1st. That's one thing that came out of it, where, where I did notice my son really wanting my attention. And I thought, 
the fuck am I doing? I used to have this thing on my dashboard where it would carry my phone while I drive, although I have, I could see it on my car, it's Bluetooth anyways. So I removed that shit out, and now my phone is always in a bag in my like backpack because I carry a backpack around. It's in my backpack in the back car. I can't even see my phone when I drive anymore. This is one of those things where I'm like, that's very important to me. From this perspective, I'll tell you something that's very important. And for those of you who I challenge this all the time, which is the hustle mentality. Who here has heard of the hustle hashtag hustle? You got hustle. You got a hustle. So the truth is, as I just told you guys, I've had incredible financial success with my business. And uh, over the years, I worked less and less, but it was able to create the same results. But there was a time where I worked 67 hours a week. And then I looked back, like, so I had four. So on my end of my third business, I was like, I didn't have to work all those hours. So why did I work all those hours? This is one time, remember, just me and my staff were sitting back like this, throwing a bucket ball onto the wall for an hour. And then we're like, I got the idea. And we attributed throwing the ball to the wall for an hour to come up with the idea. How stupid is that? When you just say, dude, you got five minutes to come up with the idea, that's it. So I realized that the entire entrepreneurship world, on a typical sense, tells you to hustle. But instead, a lesson I learned was, it's not, don't listen to that. It's challenge yourself and beat yourself. Just like golf, it's a game against yourself. Right? And I'm like, okay, I built the last business at 60 hours a week, and I built this next business at 50. Oh, fuck, I got two kids now in my life. Can I build it in 30 now? Well, I'm going to have to. Wherever it's at, where it's at. And I remember saying to, you know, when we, when we were chatting, uh, I'm going to work 25, 30 hours a week, and whatever my business is going to become, that's what it's going to be. And my job is to maximize the output out of those 30 hours, not work more to make more. And I had to figure it out. Leverage students, internship programs, software, technology, innovation, talk to people who know this shit, figure it out. And I ain't working more than 30 hours. If I make $75,000 a year, I'm happy as shit, because that's all I need for my family. The rest is just bonus to give back, and that's it. If there is, then I get to give back. If not, that's okay. I'm giving back to the most important thing in my life, my family. Thank you, sir, for the question. Thanks, Juan. <laughs> um, I, I want you to share with the group something you shared with me. It was really important and, and very impactful in my life, and that's how your ego gets in the way of preventing you from getting what you want. You know, whether it's in work, whether it's in your relationships. So I'm going to put you on the spot because I'd like you to explain me saying that to you. Yeah, I'd like you to share that because. I need to learn that back from you. This is important. This is how you learn things, is by, getting, by teaching it or having someone tell them what was valuable. So please tell me what I did so I can learn it back. Sure. So I, I went to ask about what it means to be a service leader. Um, but given where I was in the time of my life, that was right when I decided to separate. And he shared his own personal story about his first marriage and you know how that marriage ended. You know, there was a big trust issue between himself and his wife. And I, you know, just basically said, how do you get past that? Because they had an amazing relationship. You know, they will they'll talk about them being, they call themselves a partners. So a part, but nurse, as they're moving forward in life and understanding that this is wife. And uh, you know, his his whole thing got to the point of, you know, you really need to understand your why. 
you know, what is the why that you're going after? In this case, he decided his why was his son. Um, you know, and that was a, actually one thing that was very interesting. That was like a short-term thing for him, like six months. And then it became, his why became more about himself. But, you know, the, the key thing was is, you know, the thing that blocks you from being happy or successful are the negative voices, the people around you, and your ego about feeling embarrassed, feeling hurt, feeling shame, and realizing that you can put that on the back burner. And that was really super critical to me at that point, because I was feeling it, but I needed to hear the words of, it's okay to put that on the back burner and look toward your happiness and not let your ego get in the way. So that's what I took away from it. And it was an important lesson. It's an obvious thing when you think about it, but you know, instead of wanting to be right, instead of feeling hurt, you just, those things don't matter. What matters is, is in the case for this, you know, having a good relationship with a person that's your mother, that's the mother of the children, having that good relationship. And I'll just say that that mindset has allowed me to not have to learn that 18 months to two years later, but to do that on day one. And, and that's been revolutionary. Um, and so, you know, thank you for that. And thank you for allowing me to share it on your behalf. Thank you for that. And how about a focus clap? Oh. So uh, to continue the, the ego, perfect. And I'll give, you know, there's a law of physics, which is there's always an opposing equal force, right? You, you're standing here at a certain weight, and, the, and the, there's a force directed equal pushing back against you for that balance. And so depending on who you are, you might not be an extreme like tactic. But here's an extreme tactic. If you feel you just can't get out of your shit, you know, if your ego's in the way, just picture your child suffering badly. Badly, guys. Go as bad as you want. Do you want to choose your ego in the way or be there for your the people you love? That's was our discussion. My son was that much more important to me than being fucking right with my ex-wife. And hence she became my partner. Thank you for bringing that up. Appreciate it. Anybody else want to ask and answer a question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ask and answer your own question? <laughs> I will remember you. <laughs> Celine Young. <laughs> so what if you have the opposite, where you have multiple ideas, and you pick one? I picked one vlogging for veterans is what I currently run down on. But how do you handle the squirrel effect of all things coming at you where you have lots of ideas and you don't understand when to pivot to those other ideas or continue on the sixth path you're on to failure? Or maybe you don't run into failure. How do you know when to pivot to other ideas or to continue on the one you're on now? So I would say intuition is a big one, but the intuition of this, which is have I truly given my all or have I been making excuses not to make this successful? The first one. Yeah, like I said, so I've had, so we, we talk, I've had my success, if you heard, but I've had probably three, if not four times more failures business-wise than I have. In the last four years, I've started 11 businesses and only two are successful, right? A few of them I just had to can it because it really didn't make any money. There was no demand right away, and I was like, am I passionate about this to move forward with it? Yes or no? No. There's one where I was pretty passionate about it, and I loved it, but, and I asked myself, did I really give it my all to where I'm not sacrificing what it's important to me, which is time with my family, right? So that's where I am now in my life, which is what brings us together here, right? 
So now I know that if I'm if I sacrifice way too much, then I pivot, right? And there's many ways to pivot. There's ways to pivot like my current business. It was dental, and I was gonna leave it, and some of you guys know I was gonna leave it, but I did it still because I learned to pivot in a way that I could still meet all the goals I wanna meet, in terms, including leveraging my gifts to create value. And so it's never easy, but you know, there's no, there's, it's a gray area forever when you have, when you're an entrepreneur, especially you got like 40,000 ideas all the time. In this industry of where everybody has advice, there's a thousand people telling you you should do something. There's a pile of entrepreneur sugars of. Right, but every company could be like, like you know, uh, who's the guy that says I start with your why? What's his name again? Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek. He talk, compared Microsoft and, and Apple, right? And, and it's their why that's different. But, but there's, what makes up a why is not only the leader, but what makes any company unique is their people. So I have a daddy group, Larry has a daddy group, John Roman has a daddy group, but it's funny, we can work very closely together because what makes it very unique is us, right? Like I didn't go with Asian people, but now I have Asian followers. Like really, I have broken English emails to me all the time. Like I would have never expected that. So it's so, you need to also believe in your uniqueness that you can bring it, right? Well, we were talking about chef, yes, in the world of chef, right? Culinary arts, it's, it's so competitive. But yet, we, we figure out, we figure out a way to, to, to position it where it could be somewhat unique. Or like a podcast, for example, you know, Secret Recipe Podcast, which is, it's a, a, a podcast where you learn someone's secret recipe to food, life, success and happiness. Another buddy of mine started a podcast called The Conscious Choreographer. Because everyone talks about how do you do all this stuff, but it's like, what led to that choreography? What were you feeling? What do you think was gonna solve when you decided to do this song and this choreography? What were you going through? Right, so there's no, no podcast or blog that goes that deep. Or my friend's a geologist and he's doing The Conscious Geo. Right, and it's about the loneliness of someone in geology working up in the mines and never going out. And you know, so it's competitive, though, actually. But his uniqueness is really, really special. Right, so never discount in a competitive space how your uniqueness is what's going to create the value that actually might create a sustainable business. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Let's take one more. Come on, kind of going off of how we were talking last night from uh, Ben's comment. Can you paraphr uh, talk about your favorite quote on how you were kind of digging into the culinary arts, how everybody has the same thing? Can you share on that? I'm trying to remember. I was Thanks. in flow. <laughs> when I'm in flow, I don't remember what I say. Right, put me on the spot. Um, your, your favorite quote was from Michael Jackson. Oh yes, okay, perfect. Because I was going to mention that right now. Perfect. Okay, okay. Are awesome. you going to dance like him first? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's okay, uh, I'm not in dancing mood, but I'm in talking mode. <laughs> so Michael Jackson, so uh, let me not do the quote yet, but I'll talk about everything I'm telling you right now. What you heard from myself, from Jason, from John, respectfully, we've all heard this before. In fact, lots of it is like a reminder. And sometimes you go to, to talks, you're like, I already know this stuff. It's funny, I actually already know this. And a little side note, which is, so many times we say things we already know, and why aren't you up here on stage? There's only one thing, is believe in yourself. 
right? You can, we could have switched places like since the beginning, you could have given the exact same message. If you could just stood up like this, chest high, and say, yo, this is what I feel is right. This is what I feel is right. Set up, so according to my, you know, like, but what I say, what we all say is not very revolutionary. In fact, which is what we discussed yesterday, this is my belief. Exactly a minute ago, someone somewhere in the world is saying this exact statement to a group or one-on-one. -on -one. I bet you across the world at this very minute, as I speak, someone is saying the same message in another language. Do you believe that's true? Yeah. And therefore I believe a year ago, exactly a year ago from this very minute, someone is saying what I just said to someone, another group or one-on-one -on -one, a year ago. Would you believe that's possible? So therefore, what I believe is all the messages we hear in the world is just traveling through time. And I am here to make that message relevant. Because there's an expression which is content, all the books, all the content you read. Content is king. Content is not king. Content is abundant. What is really king is resonance. Relevance. That's what's king. And this comes from my Michael Jackson quote which is, I hate it when I get the credit for the songs that, for the words of the song that I sing. Because these words have been sung for thousands of years before me. I've been chosen by God to be the messenger in this lifetime to make it impactful for you. So I feel gifted to be chosen as a messenger. It's, it's why, Scott, I asked you to say it. I had a recollection, but I don't remember it. Because I was in flow and I feel like some supernatural being takes over me and tells you what you are looking to hear. I don't take credit for anything I say because I'm just a messenger. God, the universe created the messages that you're hearing today, not me. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that deserves a round of applause. Guys, thank you so much for the Q&A, and thank you for your attention. So for the rest of the afternoon, we're going to have you guys up and around and doing some stuff. Uh, hey, Jeff? Yep. So 